Welcome to the Remix, the video podcast that keeps you in the mix of everything real estate. I'm Noelle Freisen. And I'm Eric Anderson. And today we're going to talk about the ins and outs of wholesaling. This is huge on TikTok. Huge. Everyone is TikToking about wholesaling and making quick money. Well, let's introduce our wholesale expert. He loves wholesaling. <laughs> but and I think he loves wholesaling all over the place, especially in Jersey City, New Jersey. Jersey City is a so great place. Tell us about wholesaling, of Omar. Of course, we have Omar Sharif. You've seen him before. He's always on the podcast. We love him. But he got his start, well, somewhat of a start yeah. in wholesaling. And he knows that it's not a phenomena. It's not new. It's been being done forever. And it's not as easy as we think it is, right? Right. So, so it's as common as getting a real estate license and buying and selling properties, just with a little twist for investors. Okay, well, a twist. It's a twist. What? Did, how did you start in wholesaling? Like, what? What was your beginnings in wholesaling? Sure. So well, what is wholesaling? Shouldn't we do that first? What is? His, what were his beginnings in wholesaling? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Right. So, <laughs> you could do both. So, wholesaling is when you find a property that's discounted you get it under contract and instead of purchasing it yourself or doing the full renovation, you assign that contract and sell the property to somebody else for a fee. Right. So it's what investors use to find discounted distressed properties, which you typically won't find on the MLS or through real estate agents. So when I first began, I started the traditional route by getting my real estate license, but most realtors don't deal with investments. And once you start to look into how you can find investment properties, um, wholesaling comes up. Mm-hmm. So how do you find, if you find a good deal, do you have to be a real estate licensed agent? No, you could be, you, you have to figure out how to get it under contract. And then if you don't have the money to close on it, you can go ahead and sell it to somebody else for a fee. So would you consider yourself a wholesale expert? Um, it depends how you define that. I don't do it full time at the level of a lot of people. So I wouldn't say expert, but I do understand the ins and outs of it. Okay. So how many wholesale deals approximately have you had? So our viewers understand your expertise and and how you got it. Wholesaling, I'd say I've done right over 40 deals. That's a lot of deals. It is. And how long did you do it? Um, I did it initially heavily in the first three years into real estate, but then as it came, I was focused on it heavily. Okay. Okay. That's great. So really explain to us because it's a hard concept to get. Really explain to us, like start from the beginning, like how do you wholesale? Like, what is it? What What am I doing? Am I Am I finding someone who wants to buy someone something? Am I finding someone who's selling something? What am I doing? Sure. So let's take one of your viewers. They want to get started in, in investing in real estate. Now, the school offers getting a real estate license course. Right. But they don't want to be a traditional real estate license agent. They don't want to buy and sell homes. Um, instead, they want to understand the investment side of real estate. Mm-hmm. So how do they find their first deal? And what does that a good deal look like? So what they'll do is they'll, they'll begin to go out and look for distressed properties, properties that need to be renovated and discounted with the goal of doing a value add and making a profit by reselling it. Okay, that's what, if I wanted to be a flipper, that's what I'd be doing. Right, but okay. before you get there, most people may not have the funds, may not have the know-how. So what they'll start out by, what they'll start with is how do I find the right deal? Now, if you start to look for deals and you come across a property that makes sense, it's discounted, there's profit on it, but you're not able to close it. Mm-hmm. You don't have the funds. You don't have the $150,000 to purchase it. What would you do with that deal? Well, 
off the bat without knowing about wholesaling. Mm -hmm. um, but you know you have something in, in your hand. Your neighbor, for example, wants to sell their home. Right. It needs work and they're offering it to you at a good price, but you're not in real estate. Right, so. and I'm not at a point where I can purchase it and then do something. Right. So you know there's a money-making opportunity. Yes. So normally I would just be like, well, there's nothing I can do. Oh, there's a missed opportunity. But with wholesaling, what do you do? So in this case, you know Eric over here. Who's a big-time investor. Who's got lots of, in Jersey who's got lots of funds. Um, so what you can do is say, hey, Eric, my neighbor wants to sell their home. And this is a price that they agreed to sell it for. Mm -hmm. I think there's a significant profit to be made if you purchase it, fix it, and sell it. Is this something you'd be interested in? He's going to say yes. Yes. So then you have to figure out what fee you can collect while the deal still makes sense for him. So if you're getting the property for 150000 maybe you can add a $10,000 fee for yourself. Mm -hmm. You get paid 10000 for bringing the deal to him, similar to a commission, except you're not acting as a real estate agent. Correct. Now, he's happy because he gets a deal brought to him. It makes sense. Close on the deal, and that's your first wholesale. So, okay, let me let me say, so my neighbor came to me, he's selling his house for 150 50 grand. Yeah. I can't do anything with it because I don't have 150 grand to buy it, right? right? But I know Eric is an investor, he flips houses or he buys and holds, right. and he would be a great person, I know he has the money for but it. But I don't know about the project. But he doesn't do. know about the project. Right. So I go to Eric and I say, listen, Eric, Dude over here, he's selling it for 150. Do I tell him he's selling it for 150 or 160? In this case, you would have to. Okay. No, 150. 150. I tell him for the it, 150. Yeah, I don't it, it put has in my to be 10. disclosed because of the. Okay. It's a small so fee. how does she get a profit then? How does she lock it in? Sure. So in there's a few things. In this case, assuming you know everything about the about the house and the price and the condition. Mm -hmm. And you and you present it to him as if this is a deal, and he agrees to it, right? All of that has to happen. You can't just come up with a random number. I want the house, Noel. And there is a ten thousand dollar. I'm I'm charging a ten thousand dollar fee for bringing this to you, but you're going to make a hundred grand after you do everything. So the ten thousand is What's a drop the address? in the bucket. <laughs> yeah, Good I'm going to ask you what the address is. You're going to ask me what the address is. And then well, you're going to tell me, and then I'm going to go direct. Right? Aren't I going to say, well, let's work out the terms first, I and then? No, no, no. So before you, you even go to him, you have to work out the terms and get in contract with the seller. It's just ah. you and the seller. Because Tell us how to do that. So you, you'll sign a contract. In this case, knowing, what the, knowing that it'll be a smaller fee in this case, what you'll do is you'll, you'll sign a contract with the seller at $150,000. Okay. It'll have all the terms outlined, it, whether it's as is, cash purchase. Most likely it will be a cash purchase. Um, closing date, deposits if any, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. That contract is now between you and the seller, or maybe your company and the seller. And you're going to assign that contract to Eric for a fee, that $10,000 fee. Got it. So when he comes along, his price is one sixty from the start. Got he, it. He, but, but he knows, do you tell them that there's a, a fee for you as the broker or as the middle person? Yeah. You have to disclose. Yeah. In this case, it, it'll, it'll come up even if you don't disclose it. So yeah. Okay, so, so, so we understand the basics. So basically you're assigning, Noel's getting a contract and that contract is being assigned to a new buyer. Yes. So then Noel never actually closes on that house. No. Got it. You got that, Noel? I do. Okay. I do understand that. Now, so, how much money can Noel make? Like, is there a rule that says she can only make ten grand, or can she make no. fifty grand? What so can let's she say do? let's say that same house makes sense for you at one hundred sixty thousand dollars. And what if Noel picks it up at sixty thousand? Ooh. Now oh. she can make. Let's just assume, right? We're throwing numbers out here, but let's assume that now there's a hundred thousand dollars spread. That's good. It's great. Sounds like I want a wholesale. But when I go to him and tell him that there's a $100,000 spread, isn't he going to be like, give me my $100,000? So that's going to cause an issue, right? Because now if you know that she's getting it for 60000 
and she is assigning it to you for a hundred thousand. Would you feel comfortable giving a hundred thousand? So if I was Noel, I would pitch the story as I was going to do this myself and now I can't do it myself, but I know that the money here is made in the flip and the house is worth 400. So I would go and say, Hey, you're going to be able to sell this for 400. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to take this opportunity because my plans have changed. So here it is for you at 160. And there I made my hundred grand without an issue. But putting that story aside, oh. you're still going to see. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it with that story. You're still okay. going to see a hundred thousand dollars being given to her just yes. for signing the contract, and she she's going to come would with I, a lovely would story. Would I question it? I wouldn't question it because I would look at what am I going to make. You might. As there a, are as, people, yes, that would question, I think it. would question it. So as it. as an experienced investor, and this is where relationships come in, you mm -hmm. won't question it because you'll look at the bigger picture that yeah. if I do one deal with her, she'll bring me additional deals. Yes. Most people won't do that. They'll say, well, if you're making a hundred, I could cut you out and go straight to the seller. Okay. Which is why if the spread is that large, assuming all other things are working out, you have to close on the deal first and then resell it. Okay, I don't want to go there yet. Okay. I want to handle some more of the basics. But it's only 60 grand, so you I, should close on it. I, I should close on it. Let's just t handle a couple of things. So, you know, you said that, you know, you could, you can, how much money can someone make doing this full time? Um, so it depends on their operation. Like anything else, a good wholesaler can easily make six figures and there's no cap. Okay, there's no cap. You can make six figures. What about part-time? Do you Can people do this part-time? They can do it part-time because wholesaling is something that comes along as you're still doing real estate. Now, if you're outside of the real estate field altogether, no, it's going to be tough for you to do it. You can still do it, but it's going to be tough. So I have the magic question. I know you're going to hate this question because I know you. Um, what is the most amount of money... <laughs> You've ever made on one deal, before. one deal, one wholesale deal. On um, one wholesale not, deal. I don't want to know how much money you okay. made through wholesaling. I just want to know because we just yeah. talked about how a hundred grand was questionable and Noel should close sure. on it first. So I'm not talking about what did you close on and then flip. I'm saying what was the most amount that you were able to put into my pocket? Put, right. That you were able to get through without an objection in the basic assignment of a contract what was the most amount of profit that you were able no, to my make? assignments were typically up to 15,000 or never 15 to 20,000 that uh, makes sense so then your highest was 20 that's what i'm asking assignments you. yeah that's what i'm asking yeah. you because the other deal you're closing and flipping i'm not asking right. you that yeah i'm just asking you assignment okay. yeah. so you would never try to assign a contract with a hundred thousand no. dollar okay. no um, well maybe if i have a very close relationship with the person yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is really this a quantity thing. You want to, you want to, it's a numbers game. You want to have as many deals as you can. It's definitely a numbers game. Yeah. Because you won't make big spreads on every deal. That's for sure. Okay. And the deals that you're finding are basically off market deals, like your neighbor coming to you, things like that. Things that haven't been listed with a realtor yet. Yeah. Yeah. So um, can you also do wholesaling and commercial or does it have to yeah. just be Ooh. residential? Wholesaling is just a fancy word that's thrown around, but mm. it's basically signing a contract or finding something undervalued and reselling it for a fee. Now, but wait a minute. Isn't this what a real estate agent would do? Um, isn't no. it? I mean, but isn't it what, I mean, a real estate agent is going to find you the deal that you want and then take Sell a commission you. for it. No, yeah, but they don't own it. And they're not going under contract. And they're not dealing with discounted properties. They're trying to get... Okay. There's, there's disclosures and responsibilities agents have towards their clients that wholesalers technically don't. So you have no fiduciary responsibility. That's the word for it. No fiduciary responsibility. So, may, so maybe that's part of this, this next question is, 
how do you how do you source wholesale deals? So let's talk like a wholesale deal is anything you you can flip to someone else. But yeah. you just said that realtors really don't do that. Mm -hmm. They they more just sell stuff that's out there on the MLS. So how are you how are you finding these wholesale de deals and what makes a wholesale deal a wholesale deal or wholesaleable? What are the tricks and sure. why do why are they considered wholesale deals? I think our audience is going to have to wait for the how do you find them? Because we're going to talk about that in okay. depth. Okay. But the second part of that mm -hmm. shoot what was the second part? The realtor? The realtor part? <laughs> no, what was the second part? <laughs> the difference what between makes it a wholesale deal? Right, what makes it a wholesale the real, deal? All right, so, so. so what happens often, I'm sure you probably get this question asked even at the school, is when someone wants to begin in real estate, they come to get their license. And they, then they ask you, how do you get into the investment side of real estate? Correct. Right? So someone who wants to avoid getting their license, they typically ask themselves, how do I get into flipping houses and find discounted deals? Correct. And that's where the wholesaler starts. They don't even know they're a wholesaler yet, but that's where they begin. Because what they won't do is they won't put on a nice shirt, tie, and shoes and go pitch a seller that I could get the highest price for your home. Mm -hmm. They'll go look to solve problems in their local neighborhood. If they see weeds are you know, overgrown, mail is piling up, maybe they'll look at public records to see who's behind on payments, tax mm -hmm. delinquencies, and they'll start to dig and see who needs to sell their home. It's different than what a realtor does. A realtor puts on a nice suit, nice clothes, they go make their pitch, I could get, get the best price for your home, I could do open houses. A wholesaler is looking to solve problems for people who need to sell their property. Solve okay. problems. So people that are in distress, they can't pay their bills. Yeah. Someone died, they need to get rid of the house because right. it's yeah. not theirs and they're moving or they're across the country or whatever. Yeah, so okay. it's rare for, although it does happen and it's even happened to me, it's rare for your neighbor to just hop on over and sell you a discounted property. Right. Rarely ever works that way. A good wholesaler is going to go out, settle debt for people, help people avoid foreclosure, um, and really solve a, an issue that the typical realtor doesn't get involved with. So if I wanted to go out and start wholesaling, would I want to learn about how to help people avoid foreclosure? Would I want to do some research on yeah. some of that stuff before I'm out there pitching why I'm the person that, that's here that they should trust to wholesale their property? Yeah. And do I tell that person, hey, I'm going to wholesale your property? No, no, you don't need to tell them you're wholesaling it. Um, but it's the more you know, the better. So if you know how to solve people's foreclosure problems, it just makes you better equipped. But a typical surface level for wholesale deal is found amongst someone who's just motivated to sell. Mm -hmm. you, don't have to, you don't have to get technical with their financials. What if someone inherits a property and they just don't want it? So there are two ways, and we've talked about this, that there are two ways of structuring a deal. And we're about to go into what those two ways of structuring a deal are. Okay. But first, if you want to find out more about this kind of stuff, if you want to learn how to structure deals, find the deals, flip the deals, invest in the deals, wholesale the deals, you want to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Also, just so you know, Omar is not just a pretty face on your on your screen, right? He is doing a class for the Center for Real Estate Education wow. that takes you in depth into these things, that gives you the step-by-step-by-step. So just go to recareercenter.com and look for the wholesaling class. Okay, so tell us about the two types of structures for the deal. So we discussed one, which is assigning the contract, Okay. right? But now, what if the spread is $100,000? And we, we talked then about how. Then Eric would tell me to go away, and he'd go find that So let's just qualify the $100,000 spread. If we're, if we're flipping a $2 million property, having a $100,000 spread's okay, probably. Yeah, but you probably wouldn't. It would, that deal wouldn't make sense at that point. Okay. It's, so the, 
Margin commercial. But even for a hundred, who's gonna? If I find a property for two million that's worth six, and I'm flipping it to Noel for a hundred thousand dollars. Well, that wouldn't make. No, it wouldn't work out. Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to do the math. It wouldn't work out. So, okay. on a smaller residential, because um, mm -hmm. remember, if it's gonna cost you two million dollars to make a hundred thousand, right, right then and there, it's not. It's not worth it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, in a residential deal, if the spread is large you have to be cautious with how you present it because the end buyer will look to cut you out unless you have a very close relationship. And even then they're gonna raise eyebrows. So the second way to do it is you have to purchase a property, plain and simple, and then resell it to the end buyer. So you have to go under contract, put the down payment, actually have the money to purchase it, and then sell it again. Yeah. So, well, the biggest thing that students come to us to ask is how do I get into investment without having and the funds? And this is funds? the best way to do it because once you get into that scenario, if you have a deal with a spread that large, mm -hmm. you can find the money from somebody in your circle or go out and find a uh, money partner. So okay. would that be like a hard money lender in this case? It could be, but it could also be somebody like you. Yeah. Well, then I'd just say give me the deal. You I want to buy the deal. But if you had someone that bought something to your table where right. you could both win and he had more in the pipeline, why not? Okay. So, so you can either sign the contract or you can close on the contract. But, okay, so now I, I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to get it. If I don't want to get my hands dirty improving the property, right? right? So we all know that I'm not a person who's going in, you know, cleaning gutters or, you know. Cleaning anything. <laughs> cleaning anything. <laughs> so I don't want to get my hands dirty actually improving the property. Yeah. So I would go through, I would buy it, mm -hmm. and then instead of actually fixing it and flipping it, I would just sell the. Con I would sell it right then to right. Eric so he can get his hands dirty. Yes. Got it. I always yes. get my hands dirty. Yeah. Yes. Got it. And that's it. Got it. Um, now, the challenge, of course, is finding and understanding how to do volume on this. And that's okay. what separates the people that you mentioned on TikTok who think it's a very easy way to do, make money from, from people who are actually doing it successfully. Now, does everywhere allow you to sign the contract? Can I go to any state? Could I be in New Jersey and doing this in Missouri and assign a contract? As a general answer, I'll say yes. In New Jersey, it depends on the contract. If the contract says it's not assignable, you have to remove that clause mm -hmm. and just disclose that this contract is assignable. So you have to make sure before you sign anything yeah. that you screen it and make sure that you, so your lawyer should know what your intent is. So when he's reviewing or she's reviewing that contract, right. got okay. it. Right. And okay. that's if you're using an attorney. Some states, some areas, some deals don't require attorneys at all. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it has to have no, no wording that says you cannot assign it. Correct. Or then you're dead. Or you just put in there, I guess right. if you're safe and you say, I am assigning, I have the right to assign this contract, then you're covered. As long as it doesn't conflict with this contract is not assignable because some people do that. Yeah. So typically it's it's as straightforward as this contract, the buyer is Eric Anderson mm -hmm. and or his assignee. Have you had ever had a situation where you couldn't assign something after you got under contract? Not for contract reasons, no. Okay. No. All right. Okay. All of this sounds a little shady though. It sounds like you're hiding stuff. Are you? I mean, you know, do I have to disclose to both the seller and the buyer? So I don't have to disclose to the, the seller, right? Do you have to disclose your intent? Right, exactly. Disclose, well, it depends. It depends. Um, we're not hiding information 
Sounds from, like from, we are. From the seller. No, we're, we're just, we don't have to disclose what we plan to do with the property. Once you buy it, you can do whatever you want mm -hmm. with it. Just like you could do anything you want once you purchase a car. But at the same time, it, there is a fine line between manipulating and taking advantage of someone versus mm -hmm. giving them a fair price based on what you both agree on. That's how everything works, right? So if you go out to buy a used car, you agree on a price based on what other homes are sell cars are selling for, mm -hmm. and that's your price. But what if you overpay for it? What if you get at a very low price? So same thing applies. Um, but in this case, the seller, if, if it's a, a contract assignment, yes, they will know what you plan to do with it, that you can possibly assign it to somebody else. They know that I could possibly. And there's okay. verbiage in the contract that supports that. So this isn't a standard realtor's contract that you use. It has to be a different contract. Mm -hmm. with um with these provisions in there okay so as a wholesaler should i go out and have a contract made hmm. should i talk to a lawyer and say hey i'm gonna become a serial wholesaler <laughs> and i want to have my own version of a contract that i can just have ready and just fire yeah. that out to people yeah or you can take a class on wholesaling and hopefully the instructor can provide something right here at the center <laughs> okay. for here at the center real for real estate yeah. okay so it's uh it's not a contract you want made from scratch but it does require some tweaks because mm -hmm. you don't want to use the standard real estate contract okay is there a percentage i can use for my margins um percentage wise no no because what it's going to come down to is when you when you come across a deal as a wholesaler you'll be able to say that if i was to do this deal myself i could resell it for x amount mm -hmm. So at what price does it make sense for me to purchase it as someone who plans to flip it? Whatever that price is, that's your target price that you could sell it to for Eric. Got it. Now, if that price is 150,000, what if you get the property for 50 grand? It can happen. Really? Yeah, it can happen. Now, these types of margins are typically not found from your neighbor coming over and, and giving it to you. But when you get into foreclosures, short sales, tax delinquencies, um, second, third position liens, that's when these bigger margins are created more often. I think people are going to be really excited about the assignment one um, mm -hmm. just because you don't really have to have, you don't have to have a down payment, right? No. You might have to have earnest money, mm -hmm. but that's not a lot. I mean, that no. on a $150,000 property, that's not a lot of money. It's not. Um, and it's typically a cash closing. So from okay. start to finish, you're not holding the property for a long time, we, an earnest deposit's always needed. You have to have a lawyer, right? No. No. You don't have to. You don't have to. Mm -mm. Hmm. Are you safer if you have a lawyer? Would you? Did you use a lawyer for all of your I stopped deals? using attorneys when I was the buyer, but in the seller, from the seller's point of view, it makes sense to have an attorney. Some, if the seller is someone who knows nothing about real estate, you can advise them to get an attorney, but that attorney is going to nitpick the contract, nitpick the deal, and do everything they really can to get so, in the way. Yeah. That happens often. The deal. So you have to disclose to the seller that this is an as-is purchase. We agreed on this price. This is a contract. If you want it reviewed by an attorney, go for it. But if that attorney starts to nitpick it, this deal is off before we even get there. Now, when you started wholesaling, were you a real estate agent? Yeah. Okay. So did you disclose to all of your potential uh, mm -hmm. purchases, your clients, that you were a real estate agent? Yeah. Good, okay. great, great point. You have to dis if you're a licensed agent, you have to disclose that you're licensed, but you're not acting as a real estate agent. On both sides, on the seller and buyer side. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, very important disclosure. Does and that have to be in writing, or can it, I just do it no, verbally? It has to be in writing. In writing. And okay. this question comes up often because a lot of real estate agents say, "Can I wholesale, or I can't wholesale if I have if I have my license, so I won't get licensed." You can. You just you just can't come off as a real estate agent and then be a wholesaler. 
because when you come off as a real estate agent, you give the seller or the buyer in this case, an impression that you're a professional, a real estate professional, and you're giving me fair market value. Got it. Based on comparables in the industry standards. Which we're not. We're not. Right. It's an open negotiation. But does well, it you're, make- all, you're not representing the seller at that point, you're representing yourself, and right. you're trying to get the best deal possible. Correct, so it's a fair and open negotiation. So you just say, hey, I'm a real estate agent, but in this capacity, mm-hmm. I'm trying to get a deal. I'm just Noel. Or I'm I don't just- represent you, and I'm not representing the market price, I'm just here to try to help you get through your situation and or take this property I'm, off I'm your hands. I'm a real estate agent, I have my license, but I actively buy properties, and I'm not acting as a real estate agent in any capacity in this transaction. Okay. And should that be in writing? Yeah. Okay. However, if you are a real estate agent, then you have access to the MLS. But would the MLS help you at all in this in this situation? The MLS is useful for getting information about the property, comparables. Um, yeah. It'll help you resell it. Just data. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that to relist it. So, okay. So we know what it is now. We know mm-hmm. the details, right, of how you're going to do this, the two different contracts, who you're going after, blah, blah, blah. Um, we know that everyone's going to subscribe. Um, now tell us, how do we find these elusive deals, these mystery deals, these 50 grand, you know, $300,000 houses? Sure. So the example we gave of a neighbor coming over to sell you their home, very rare, although that has happened to me, believe it or not. Um, it's very rare. So a good wholesaler is a problem solver, right? And what type of problems do you have to solve to get good deals in real estate? People's financial problems. So if someone is going into foreclosure and you understand how to settle liens, there's big opportunities in there to get a property discounted because you're discounting it from the bank, not from the seller directly. That's one example. Another example, if someone inherits a home and they're out of state and they have no way of getting there, they just don't want it, they'll agree to take a reduced price based on the condition of the home, and that's where margin is created. So as a good wholesaler, you are an amazing detective slash marketing person who's able to find these distressed situations and provide solutions to people. So we're talking death, right? If someone dies and they want to sell an estate. We're talking divorce. If someone's getting divorced and they need to... Sometimes, but not really, but yeah. To do it quickly. Let's say they need to do it quickly or, or... Divorce has so much red tape in it that it's not of, often, uh, you know, they want them, they want to maximize their Got it. Their so, sales price. so should you be chasing ambulances? Like that's when you, exactly what When I'm you see an ambulance so, so that's, like that's, pulling that's, into your neighbor's <laughs> house who's, you know, 100 years old, do you now say, oh, my God, I have to contact his relatives? Well, that's that's one way to look at it. Okay. Um, but put it this way. If whether or not you do it, that person's either in contact someone to sell mm-hmm. the house, whether it's you, the real estate agent, the next wholesaler, the next investor. Something will, someone will come and purchase that house. So we're talking death, distressed properties, and delinquencies. Financially delinquent. Yeah, what are the three Ds? Death, divorce, divorce sometimes, um, and debt. Yeah. Debt. Debt. Mm. There we go. So about 10 years ago, after the financial crisis, there's lots of foreclosures. And that was a great time to wholesale because there's lots of short sales in the market. Home prices were still being reduced. um, And that created an opportunity to get volume. In today's market, that's less common, but there's still always a distressed market, and there's always deals being done where um, someone can wholesale. How did you find? How did you find your your uh, your deals when when you started out? So initially, um, did you walk the streets? Did you door knock? I did door knock some. I tried that. I sent out mailing campaigns. I put up what's known as bandit signs, which we've all seen. Are you familiar like, with that? No, it's no, a bandit, it's a bandit sign. sign. 
So when I first got into real estate, I used to see these signs on telephone poles that said, we buy houses cash. Wow, yeah. I've, I've seen those. those. Yeah. And we buy ugly houses. Yeah. We buy And so I used to wonder, who, who are these people who want to buy houses cash? Who's sitting around with cash mm -hmm. and putting up these signs saying we're interested in buying houses? So Did you call them and say, who are you? I did. Oh. So I <laughs> well, I called just to understand it. And then I read up more on it. And I realized that those bandit signs are being put up mostly by wholesalers, mm -hmm. people who are looking to purchase homes that are under distress by putting out this cash offer. Because you're not gonna call that not unless you really need to get rid of your property, exactly. right? So it's okay. a very specific target for someone who wants to get rid of a house and get cash for it. Um, and does it work? It has to work because we still see it till this day, right? People are still putting them up. So I spoke to a few people who were doing it and they had great success with it. And so I started doing it. So you actually went, you were one of those people three o'clock in the morning who was like sticking signs on the middle of the highway. On the middle of the highway or whatever. Not, and 3 a.m. is mm -hmm. right to So anywhere from 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. I was out there initially and then I hired some people to do it. I had a friend who I started with. We were out late night or early morning before traffic putting up these signs. Um, and we had no idea. We had no idea what to do even if we got a call. We didn't know how to evaluate properties. We didn't have the money at the time, but we're like, let's just see where this goes. So how, at one point, like what, how many signs did you have out there? It's hard to put them up. So allegedly, no, yeah. So it's hard it's to put them the up. It's against the law. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's another point to 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 go over. But initially, it's hard. It's hard to get these signs up in good locations. So we mm. put out maybe 30, 40 a night, which is not much. Okay. We never went and put out a hundred, two hundred a night. It just takes a lot of time. Now, so, did you wear like all black with like a hoodie and all that, and like go out there and? You know, I don't, no, we just went late night. <laughs> Turn the went, lights off in the car. Yeah, we, we should have. But wait, is are there technological ways? Okay, that was back in when, you know, God was a baby and, and you did it a long time ago. Are there some new techie ways? Because I, mean, I, I was. I don't know about that. I, I know, maybe thing. like 10 years ago. I was, <laughs> but I was Googling tech, you know, techie ways of wholesaling and stuff like that. And I couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. But if you're a soccer mom who, you know, needs to be home at 10 to 3 a.m., is are there techie ways of doing it? So when you say techie, you mean like not leaving my non house to to signs. find to find deals, right? right? So yeah, that's to, to put up bandit signs is not even mm -hmm. you don't even have to do that. But alternatively, you're talking about marketing for leads. Mm -hmm. So is there a techie way to market for leads? There is. You send send out mailers. You can um, cold call. You can get yeah. lists, find the owner's name, information, address, reach out to them. So these are the common ways that have always been done. This is nothing new. Right. Um, technology makes it easier because now you could robocall a thousand people like we all get and see it, it becomes an easier numbers game. Mm, a robocall. Did you find it harder to deal with people that you know? Is it always easier to deal with strangers? Because if you're dealing with that neighbor or you have the soccer mom group and then you find out that you know three of the soccer kids' families are in foreclosure, you yeah. know, I feel like people are embarrassed to That's talk sad. to their the people that they know about That's this stuff. That's a great point. So these are the people that'll call the sign, right? Okay. Because they don't want to broadcast their situation. So there's always that market. Once you fall under distressed circumstances, everything in your life changes and you close up. So people have this idea that people under distress are going to an attorney. They're not. They don't always go to an attorney. They don't always take the most public way to solve their problems. If they get a call from someone saying, hey, I could help you out. I see that you're under debt. It's public information. This is what I do for a living. Chances are they'll listen to that phone call. Hmm. And if this person can deliver, that's a one-on-one -on -one and that person has no reason to even go outside of them. So I fell into lots of circumstances like that. Um, and when you genuinely help someone settle their debt, these are options that they don't even know exist. Mm -hmm. So I had one, one client, um, which was my biggest wholesale deal that you mentioned, but um, 
that deal took me over a year to get done. Wow. And she was in a really bad circumstance because her house was flooded during Hurricane Irene or something. And it went into foreclosure. She couldn't make her payments. She had liens from her business attached to the house. She had credit card liens. She had IRS tax payment liens on it. Mm. And by the time I got to it, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing at this point, but I can help you because I know the basics of settling liens. So I was able to get the bank to discount the property down to pennies on the dollar. This was back right about 2013. And then she had like another 200,000 in IRS tax liens, business debts. So I called each one of those lien holders and settled all those debts for significantly less. And then the IRS tax payment, just by chance, it expired literally like two months from the moment I got it. I looked it up and it was about to expire because it's a statute for tax liens to expire. Oh, so it just went away. Yeah, I told her just wait two months and this is literally just went away. So because of that, there was a significant margin created on the property. Now, this took me literally a year to get done. Lots of paperwork, lots of back and forth. But once I had it completed, I got that house at a price that I'll never in my life see again. And it was very easy to just sell it to the next person. But you put in a lot of work for it. Time, a lot of time. A lot of time. Did you get it under contract before you started to put in the time? So this was such a long-term deal that she, we just ended up having a good relationship. And the contract I had, the listing I had, it was irrelevant at that point. She just understood that I was trying to help her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't remember if it was an ironclad contract. Okay. But that's yeah, a lot she, of time to put in and not have a it is. contract. And, and, and that's part of it. Yeah. But what, what ends up happening on the other, other side, I've been burned really bad because even though I had a contract, um, the seller, once they see the price that you get the house for, whether it's yeah. a discounted price, they'll cut you out and bring another agent in or another buyer in. So I've been on that side of it too. But if you have a contract, how are they cutting you out? Um, because it's so many different technical reasons for it. The one that comes to mind is this one seller who I worked with for over a year. I helped them evict the property, evict the tenants that they need evicted. They were losing the home. I got a short sale for a great price. I was going to sell it and everything was approved. I thought I would make $50,000 in that deal, quit my job and my life would be amazing. But what happened is there was a divorce case and the husband and wife were disputing and because of that, she didn't. She wasn't paying attention to what he was doing with me, and she accused me of trying to commit fraud. Where did she get that claim? I have no idea. But she said we, I made her sign all these documents that were fraudulent. So she called her attorney, and her attorney called me and said, you made her sign documents that you're not supposed to sign. I said, this is all BS. This is a legitimate transaction. And um, long story short, that attorney scared me because I was new at the time and said that you don't have a legitimate contract because your listing expired. I said, yeah, my listing expired, but everything I have with the bank is still accurate. She said, no, because your listing expired, she could go list with somebody else. And that's exactly what she did. She listed with somebody else. That guy took my approval and sold the property within two weeks. Yeah. And this was over a year of working with these people. So I've been so on both sides. So you didn't have a contract as a wholesaler in that, in that case? This wasn't that type of, it was a different, I forget the specific details, but it was a different deal because it wasn't, um, I had the property listed on the market as well. So you were acting as a realtor in that case. But we were going to purchase it. I had a buyer for it. Okay. And there's lots of details that I could go into, but Mm. what happened is the listing expired. I didn't pay attention. Once the listing was under contract, but it expired. So is this a situation where you acted as a realtor and upon learning the circumstances of the client, were able to turn that into a wholesaling opportunity? Yes and no, Um, because I would still be the listing agent in this property for Mm -hmm. legal reasons, technical reasons, but I had someone who was a cash buyer who was willing to buy it if I was able to get them. And then how are you going to make the money? 
they would have sold it and we'd work something out. Yeah. Okay, got it. All right. So these things happen. Yeah. Very it, it gets very technical, but the point is that if you want to be a good wholesaler, it's, it won't come and fall into your lap. Now we keep on talking about the sellers, <clears throat> excuse me, the sellers, the sellers, the sellers. But at the same time you're doing this, you have to be finding buyers. Right. Who are right. the typical buyers? Sure. So if you're in this to, if you're in it to win it, you have to have both sides covered, right? Okay. So you need to know who in your local market is buying. Because if you're doing all this work and working the sellers, getting leads, um, you're creating good opportunities for people. So it's not hard to find cash buyers. What do you mean? It's not hard. It's not hard to find people with cash to just put down on houses. So, so not people. I with mean, cash. if you're not, if you're not already There's friends always someone with someone out there with, with looking Eric. for a deal, right? So, but so, where do you find them? Like, who, so where am I, I don't going? have easy. any cash. <laughs> no. So, an easy way to find cash buyers is you just go to the sheriff's auction, which happens right. every week, and um, happens at the county clerk's office. That's a office. great idea. And they're all cash buyers. It's a room filled with cash buyers. So the sheriff's office is where foreclosures are actually taking place. And all of those deals are cash okay. purchases. And that room is filled with opportunist people that right. have cash because you can only buy it in a foreclosure with cash. Yeah. You can't buy a mortgage. So if you have 100 people in that room, in theory, you have 100 qualified cash buyers. And you wow. come in and you say, hey, I have deals. Everyone is going to flock to you. Okay. So you but can just have your you business become the bell of the ball, right? Yeah, if you even it's need a great idea. at that point. So when I, when I first started getting some deals, I realized that there's no shortage of cash buyers anywhere. And in fact, as soon as they identify you, they'll latch onto you and they'll tell you, I want to be your exclusive buyer. Okay. And then I'll say, no, why should I be exclusive with anyone? Because then you're going to knock me down on price. It doesn't make sense for me. So. Cut for a second. Hold on. That camera's, I don't know if it's, I should be looking at that camera. No, my neck is like. Thank you, Mr. Alvis. Thank you, Mr. Alvis. Thank you. Appreciate your patience. Really Hold on. Okay. All right. Back to buyers. Buyers, okay. Buyers are liars. Ooh. Yes, they are. You ready? Buyers are liars. Okay. So I've heard someone say buyers are liars. What does that mean? <laughs> it's a it's a true statement in many cases, especially but, with investments. But cash buyers aren't liars. No, plenty of cash buyers. I'd say majority of them are liars. Okay. So when you're looking for cash buyers, you have to vet everything the same way you do for the seller. So do you get them to show proof of income? They have to show proof of funds, okay. and you have, and you have to get to know, them. yeah, and you have Got to it. get to know them because these days people change their bank statements; they'll get fake LOIs, really, really, fake um, pre-approvals. So people will do these things. So you, it it is somewhat of a relationship. And what happens often is, um, if you deal with the wrong person, they'll show interest initially, and then they'll just try to hack away at your deal and see if they could cut you out. That's the norm in the investment arena. So because of that, relationships go a long way. Um, I still don't know how you're getting cut out if you have a contract. Because a contract isn't fully enforceable in many ways. And unless right. you go to court, you know, it just opens up a can of worms. Okay. So what, ha what ends up happening is if you find a deal direct with the seller, what stops a buyer from going straight to the seller? You're going to come back to the seller and say, hey, you and I have a contract. Yeah. And then the, the seller will tell you, well, you know what? You can go kick rocks because this person is offering me a lot more than you are. But it's too late. You signed a paper. So sue me. You can't put a stop to the sale of the house? No. Okay. Best you could do is try to cloud the title, but that doesn't go anywhere. 
But you can't sue them. But you're saying what would happen if you did sue them? Wouldn't that stop the sale? No, because, I mean, the whole process of going to litigation in the court system and avoiding right. the sale, it, it becomes... And why would that buyer want to buy the house if he knows it's under contract to someone else? So if I was under contract and then I know there was another buyer, I would try to let that buyer know that it's under contract with me and I'm going to promote that and push it and create as many problems as possible. Um, because you wouldn't know if it's under contract. You wouldn't even know the buyer. You wouldn't know okay. anything about the property, right? How so it would you know- just close... Yeah, how would you know any of this exists? The only, the only way we know in today's market is through the MLS if it's okay. listed. But we're not talking about listed. So properties. is there like a lien I could put on it, or could I know put a notice of contract on the property? Yeah, you can attempt to cloud the title, is what they right. call it. But I haven't. I don't know of any cases where that's been successful. Okay, it's a very weak position to have, especially if the seller, if there's a margin to be made on it, and the buyer says, "Hey, you're paying this guy has you under contract for 150. I'll give you 200 for it." Like, good luck taking that to court. And winning, you know, it's losing before you even begin. It's not worth pursuing that time. So, so there's always a risk. I wouldn't say risk it. I think it's just a waste of time. Well, this isn't no, for meant, the faint of heart. I mean, there's no. always a no, risk when you're wholesaling. If you're, that yeah. your contract, if someone smells oh, yeah. money, absolutely. They're gonna jump so, so in. the the one reason I didn't stick to wholesaling full time is it, it's exactly what you said. It is hard and it's really difficult, especially when you deal with debt, liens, uncertainty. The banks have specific timelines, and when you have to close, if you don't close, you spend months just wasting your time. Buyers flake at the last minute. So it's not, it's not easy to do at all. Now, there's some markets where it's much more easier, mm-hmm. some niche markets where um, there's more inventory, mm-hmm. some out-of-state places that you could buy things right off the market and they make sense. But in New Jersey, North Jersey is definitely not one of them. All right. Wow. I, I just want to go back to something that you were talking about. So you used to go out 3 a.m. in the morning, dressed all in black, like, you know, like a ninja, putting signs all over the place. I'm almost certain that that can't be legal. Did you ever run into any problems with that? I mean, come on. Did you did you ever have police cars going bloop, bloop, like pulling up yeah. on you? Like, so I'm glad what's going on? you brought that up because we didn't touch up on that. But yeah, it's against every city ordinance. And every <laughs> <laughs> so you every city ordinance. Yeah. So every city has ordinances against putting up these types of signs. And if you decide to do it, I'm not suggesting you do it. I'm just offering suggestions that are out there. Um, if you decide to do it, just be aware that the city is not going to accept it. You'll get calls from the municipal courts, from police officers, and they'll want to know and find out who's putting up signs. Okay, in the so tell us your story, because this is a popcorn moment, guys. Popcorn moment. Tell us your story so, about how... You tell Omar us about almost went to jail. Almost, Omar's jail story. <laughs> Omar's I wouldn't, I wouldn't jail say, story. Oh, let's hope not jail. But the whole con- the whole name of it is bandit signs because you're <laughs> out there like a bandit putting up these signs. Okay. So the worst that had happened to me initially was you get stopped by a police officer who sees you put, put, put putting up these signs and they tell you to stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Fine. But there was this one time where I took I answered a call. I was in my house from one of these signs and. The call didn't say anything. I don't remember our specific conversation, but after I hung up a few minutes later, some police officer showed up at my door. <laughs> they literally <laughs> tracked you. Yeah, I don't. I still don't know how he did it. I give him credit for doing it. Maybe he used some GPS location device. But next thing you know, he's knocking on my door and he says, you need to stop putting up your signs around town. And I'm like, officer, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what signs? Signs? Me? Never. Um, so I was taken back by, I wasn't, who would expect a door knock like that? So 
At what that, did you tell him? I told him I didn't put up the signs, which at that time I didn't put up the signs. Ah, right? So I told him I didn't you, put up the you signs. You had one of your cronies putting up yeah. the signs. So I told him I didn't put up the signs. If you're referring to the real estate signs, I, I work with people who do that, but I answer phone calls. Okay. Ah, uh, he pulled the I'm just the receptionist yes. thing. Got so it. So even then, the officer, he was really nice about it. He said, look, we don't like that around this town. It doesn't look good. I'm like, you have a good point. I'll tell him to stop. <laughs> So some towns will be more strict about it than others. And just that's something to keep in mind. You're right. like, I'll tell them to stop. Yeah. yeah. So from wholesaling <laughs> to jail. Right. Omar Sharif's <laughs> life story here at the remix. I love that story. So wait, he tracked you. He came to your house. Yeah. You got out of it. Did he ticket you or anything? No, no. Thankfully, he didn't. But I have lots of other friends who have been ticketed. They've gone to court for it. Mm. They've had to pay fines. So okay. it's common. If you decide to take that route, which I'm not recommending. Cost of doing business, though. If you look at it that way, yeah. 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 In the underworld. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's it. Well, that's exciting. I can't wait to go out and start wholesaling. Are you going to go out and start wholesaling? I'm going to go I'm going to go for the bigger wholesale stuff, but it's, I, you know. It's no, it's you know what when you first hear about her when I heard about it on TikTok, it sounded like something I was like, "Why aren't I doing this? This sounds amazing." Yeah. However, you know, 3 a.m., I am dead asleep. I am not out putting up signs. Yeah. in the middle of somewhere and um yeah yeah and i don't like dealing with shady people so, so, so i don't I know but but to to your viewers who are listening who, who are interested in getting involved let's keep in mind that there is an entire area of wholesaling where you don't have to dig into the dirt and okay you, you can operate this get, find some good deals wholesale it to somebody else and still still do well for yourself well awesome. i am going to take your class so i can find out those non-dirty ways of being in wholesaling and find out the ways that would work for me mm -hmm. um I'm it, excited it also about it. it also sounds like a great second job for people yes you know if you have, if you're a stay-at-home parent yep. you have some extra time on your hands yeah it sounds like a great opportunity where you're not really putting the money out doing a flip which requires yep. so much time and energy so i think yep. this is a great opportunity for people and with the markets the way they are today the uncertainty of the economy, the yep. high interest rates, who knows what's going to happen? It could be wholesaling time. We all need some, right. I mean, we could fall back into that place where there's a ton of, yeah. of stuff to do. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Omar. Thank Thanks you for so sharing much. your wholesaling story for here. us. Yay. So remember, if you visualize it, you can own it. So go be a wholesaler. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys.